Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening world. My name is Reverend Adrian L. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, a.k.a. Pastor Rob, a.k.a. Listen, I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me out my name. I appreciate it. And this, my friends, is Deeper in the Word, the show where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written so long ago to what you are going through right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another fun-filled, fantabulous week here at Deeper in the Words. And friends, whoo, friends, we got a good one for you today. Today's show, my friend, is called Self-Defense Tactics. Self-Defense Tactics. And it's called that for a reason, because what are self-defense tactics? They're methods and maneuvers you employ or use when you're trying to defend yourself from an attack, right? Well, friends, when it comes to being a follower of Christ, our form of self-defense is called apologetics. And essentially, apologetics is the practice of defending what you believe in, particularly against those who question the validity or the veracity of what you believe in, like the Bible or Jesus. And they'll even marginalize or ridicule what you believe in. In other words, as a follower of Christ, we need to be equipped to defend ourselves against attacks on our faith. You can't properly defend something if you aren't equipped with the proper weapons or tools necessary to help ward off the attack, right? Well, today, y'all, we're going to learn how to equip ourselves in just such instances. We're going to be shown the tools for us to utilize in order to carry out our faith defense system, if you will. And our special guest today is a certified expert on what it means for Christians to engage in self-defense tactics because he teaches them all over the world. Oh, y'all gonna learn something today, which is why I am thrilled to kick off this episode with this gentleman who is absolutely one of my very favorite show guests of all time. This man is such an inspiration to me and what we're doing here at Benevolent Faith. And despite his stature and his very busy schedule, he always makes time for a brother. And he's come today to drop some more gems on us from his vast compendium of knowledge. Look, he doesn't even need some long formal introduction, but here are the basics. He's an NBC Dateline featured cold case detective, an accomplished author and speaker, a senior fellow at the Colson Center Christian worldview and an adjunct professor of apologetics, there's that word again, at three different places. He's also the founder of the Christian-based organization Cold Case Christianity, one of the leading Christian apologetics organizations in the world. Deeper in the word, y'all, please help me give an extremely warm welcome to one of our favorite guests of all time, a perennial friend of the show, and someone we consider part of the Benevolent Faith Ministries and Global Church Body Alliance family and somebody I consider a true mentor in many respects. Y'all give it up for the one and only Mr. J. Warner Wallace. Hello, sir. How are you? Gosh, that was more than I deserve for no, sure. I'm not. glad to be with you. No, absolutely not. It's not hyperbole, Jim. To me, you're that guy. So thank you for being here, good sir. Now look, y'all. Jim's background and bio are fascinating, but we took up a whole first segment the last time he was here going over all that. So if you want his background and his pedigree, go listen to episode one of season two. That would be podcast number 26 of Deeper in the Word, and you'll be all caught up on that, okay? So Jim, could you very briefly, for the folks that don't know you, this is their first time hearing you, 
Tell me about your background, like the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, I was uh, raised in Los Angeles County here in Southern California, and uh, I really didn't have anyone I knew growing up who was a Christian. And I ended up working as a police officer and then eventually as a detective. And even the people I met at uh, my agency, most of them were not Christians, and a lot of the people we met who were taken to jail, unfortunately, were. And I just was not interested um, in anything that had to do with God or with Christianity. But my wife, uh, she was probably more interested than me, and she said we should go to church. We should, you know, should we think about whether we should raise our kids as Christians? And I'm like, no, I don't know why we would. I mean, I, I didn't feel like I needed it growing up. <laughs> but of course, you know, nobody who, who thinks that they are a thoughtful atheist would ever say, yeah, let's go to church. But we walked into a church, uh, first uh, place time I'd ever been in a church for anything other than like a, a wedding. And um, we listened to the pastor talk about Jesus as a smart guy. And that was enough to provoke me to buy a Bible. And the only skill set I had at the time, and I figured everyone did this, right? I mean, if you're a Christian, don't you examine the evidence? And I knew how to examine eyewitness accounts. I worked uh, uh, unsolved murders. In other words, I worked cases from 35 years ago where we don't have access to the stuff we'd like to have. You know, right. like uh, eyewitnesses are dead and the reports are written by people who are also dead. Well, that's a lot of, kind of, if you think about it, that's a lot of what is in Scripture. Mm-hmm. We have a report like from Luke. I have no access to Luke. And I have no access to whoever it is he says he's interviewing who are eyewitnesses and servants of the word for his gospel. But it turns out that's like every case I work. So I just applied those skills um, to the, the gospels, and that's how I became a Christian. Man, that is phenomenal. And again, that's the Cliff Notes version, y'all. It's actually far more fascinating when you get in deeper into it. So we encourage y'all to go back and listen to that other episode. But let's get right into it, good sir, because your time is valuable. Now, you specialize in Christian apologetics. Now, I've heard apologetics defined as, quote, the science and art of Christian persuasion. And for all you old timers out there, I did not say crystal persuade, crystal persuasion. I didn't say that. I said Christian, meaning it's the why and how we defend what we believe in. So, Jim, can you please explain to those in our audience who may not be familiar with this term and concept, A, what it is exactly and be why it's important for every believer to engage in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's not my favorite term, right? Probably is no one's favorite term. If you are, you know, if you're, if you've kind of spent time in the, the, the Christian world, you, you, this is not a term I'm, 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 I'm really in favor of because mm-hmm. it's, it sounds like we're apologizing for something, but it really comes from a Greek term in the New Testament, apologia, that talks about. Uh, making a defense for what it is we believe. I don't even like to use that uh, approach because I'm not defensive. So I look at it this way. We're making a positive case for why we believe Christianity is true. And I think this is becoming more and more important, especially for younger people, because the questions that maybe I was writing about 10 years ago have subtly shifted. In other words, um, it used to be that, that young people, and myself included, as an older person, I want to know if it's true. I think a lot of young people now want to know if it's good. In other words, is it beautiful? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's a sense in which um, the world is changing around us, and and we are often being described as the people who are against the things that the world now affirms, um, related to marriage or sexuality or whatever it may be. So the question I think for a lot of young people today is, is it good? But I can tell you this. My dad is not a believer, and he would say, that something could be good, even if it's not true. Mm-hmm. 
he would say, listen, I'm glad you're a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I don't think it's true, but I'm glad it works for you. And if it's producing good kids and a happy life, good for you. It's good. He would say, good for you. But it turns out most young people, if it's not true, eventually they're going to walk away from it. So I think we have to make a case for not only is it good, and I did that on a book called uh, Person of Interest a couple couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. This book is my first book, and if we rewritten it completely so that it's a new, newer kind of book, it's not the same book it used to be. But, but the point is, we're really trying to make with this book a case for, is it true? Mm. Because if it's true, then we can take the next step and ask, is it good? Uh, but I don't think you really can ask. I mean, there's no point in trying to make a case for the goodness of something that's just a, a delusion. Mm. So I'm not interested in something if it's not true. That's what this book tries to do, is try to make the case for the true value, the trueness of Christianity. Amen. And again, um, he mentioned two books there and y'all like, wait a minute, wait, I got to write that down. Hold on. We'll get to those y'all. So slow your road. Be okay. Now, Code Case Christianity, that's the name of the organization. It specializes in training believers in various case making methods. It essentially trains them how to be Christian case makers. And we're going to get more into that subject, that title a bit later. And on your website, there's a ton of resource material that provides believers with a foundational understanding of how to defend their faith to others. But as part of that training, you have two things on your website, two sections that I employ a lot in the teaching that I do to our youth uh, in our youth church. One is called rapid response and the other is called quick shots. Now, when we're talking about defending our faith and what we believe in and being case makers, Explain what these are and how people um, can utilize these to their benefit. Yeah, I think that this is really now we're in a very quick social media world in which you're not going to get a lot of time. Uh, I was in a movie a few years ago where they gave me six minutes uh, in front of the camera to make a case for Christianity. Well, I don't even think you're going to get six minutes (laughs) anymore. Uh, I think people, for the most part, want to know quickly um, is this true? And and they, they're not going to give you the whole six minutes. So I think it's going to be important for us to know enough about this to be able to make the case quickly. And I'll be honest, a lot of that's just about how committed are we. You know, there's people I know, I'm sadly probably one of these, um, you know, I know enough about my sports teams that I love <laughs> to be able to make a quick case. For, you know, And you hear this all the time, you know, is LeBron James the, the, the best basketball player in the history of basketball players or is it Michael Jordan? Well, people can make a quick case. Right. Well, why? Why can they make a quick case? Because they're so interested in That's this right. that they are willing to, they, they know the, the case inside and out. Yeah. And they can quickly give you, I'll give you four reasons why this is, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the problem is that we don't really know and we're not as passionate, let's face it, I think as young, I think parents are sometimes better at um, at transferring their fandom, yeah. you know, for a particular team <laughs> right. than they are at transmitting their faith. And that's just a sad truth oh, yeah, is yeah. that uh, for the most part, we are not wow. as, as, as well equipped, let's put it that way. To, to make the case for Christianity as we are for the, you know, we are in, I'm in Southern California. And, that's, gonna, an effort. and that's an effort thing. That's all yeah. effort, yeah. But a lot of it, too, is just like your passion. If you're geeked out about something, you're more likely to be able to make a case for it. So the question really becomes, you know, how committed are we to this? How 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 passionate are we about this, this thing we say that it, we're passionate? We say that we 
But, you know, worship is, if you really want to know what you're interested in, just show me your calendar. Show me your schedule. Show me your, your finances. I can tell you what you're interested in, that's right? It. That, yes, that really kind of gives us away if we're not yeah. careful. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I want to run through a quick a few of these. For those who haven't been acclimated, have never visited the site, here's what you can expect. So I'm just going to run through a quick. Let's start with the quick shots. So on there, there's a quick shot that gives a response to the statement, Oh, there are no good reasons to believe in miracles. So tell us how this quick shot prepares believers to respond to a statement like that. Well, a lot of this is good. That just comes down to like philosophical naturalism, right? Do we believe that anything supernatural has ever occurred or could ever occur? Now, of course, if you're a Christian, you already believe this is possible, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're not, this is something that you're probably going to struggle with. You don't believe there's any reason for this. But if you're a thoughtful atheist, you probably already accept some features of the universe that um, that are hard to explain mm -hmm. <laughs> unless there is some extra natural activity. What I mean is something outside of space, time, and matter is responsible. We seem to be in a universe, and I realize that now, of course, with this new telescope that we've got out out there, we can get more data on this, but the standard cosmological argument, the standard cosmological model amongst astrophysicists is still a model that, that postulates that with the entire universe, all space, time, and matter came into existence from nothing. Yep. And, if that, and there's several lines of evidence, by the way, that point to this. Yep. And so I think any new evidence that comes out, like if we see something new in a telescope, we're going to have to reconcile that to all the body of other evidence we have, which demonstrates we're in a universe that had a beginning. But here's the problem with that. If we're in a universe that had a beginning, it means that it came into existence uh, as a result of a cause, which is outside yeah. of space, time, and matter. You already have ex have um, kind of uh, already acquiesced to the idea that there is a cause out there that's, mm -hmm extra natural and, and if that's the case you already believe in some what you i would say supernatural activity by the way you know in california if you were to uh, sell a house in which somebody died you would have to disclose that to the buyer mm -hmm. well you don't want you to disclose that to the buyer because people are freaked out about the possibility of ghosts yeah yeah i mean more people believe that ghosts exist than would believe in angels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are fascinated by Absolutely. what we think is paranormal activity. Absolutely. Well, why? Because we innately have a sense that there's something more to the world than what can be seen. And to that point, real quick, more people believe in the end times and what the book of Revelation has to say about end times than anything else in the Bible. They'll discard anything else in the Bible, but, oh, you get the revelations, and they somehow believe in that. And to me, that's just a result of their guilt. But anyway... Go ahead. That's a great point. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that, too? And I, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And what I find fascinating about it is the, the notion that we we I, we love information that we think we can leverage. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's, that is really interesting to me that we are so willing to, to – we think, oh, I know the future. That gives me power in some yeah. way. Absolutely. And so I think that's why people sometimes are, are more interested in things they think will give them power than things they think are, are going to really cause them to have to reassess their lives, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so big difference. The, yeah, absolutely. Now, that was a quick shot. Let's look at a rapid response. Um, okay. Because here's one. This is the ubiqu ubiquitous one. Um, yeah. How can you say Christianity is true if you haven't examined all the other religions? How do we yeah. provide a rapid response to that? 
Well, I mean, I, I, get, that, I get that all the time. Well, if you, if you use this approach to examine the Hinduism, okay, look, how I, again, when you're talking to me, you're almost always going to get this from the perspective of my casework, right? Mm-hmm. Because for the most part, uh, when people see how, uh, everyone's fascinated with, with, you know, detective shows. Right. And it's because we have a sense that, wow, you know, um, this is something that I recognize and I, I'm interested in it. And we all think we could be a good detective, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it turns out that when you're doing criminal cases and I'm in front of a jury and I'm making a case for um, uh, a particular suspect, the defendant at the end of the table, okay, mm-hmm. um, I am under no obligation. I'm not saying that defendant at the end of the table is a guy who's five foot seven and he's got uh, brown hair and he's got blue eyes. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of five foot seven brown hair blue-eyed guys out there in the world. Do I have an obligation to demonstrate to the jury why all of them are not my suspect? Or if there's enough evidence that points to this one as the suspect, that's sufficient. Yeah. I'm under no obligation to disprove everyone else in order to make the case for this guy. Yeah. And that's something that's really important for us to consider because that's the claim that's often made. You know, can you make a case again? No, I don't, I'm not under any obligation to do that. Yeah. And a lot of that makes sense once you see it in the context of uh, a criminal case. Yeah, you're right. I don't have an obligation to make that case in a criminal case. If there's sufficient evidence that this guy is the guy, we are done. And that's what I look at with Christianity. There's sufficient evidence that Christianity is true. Therefore, I, not if you want to, and by the way, I, I teach a class at Biola where I ask the students, to take the time to apply the same test I have in cold case Christianity, apply that test to Islam, apply that test to Mormonism. Mm-hmm. They often do. And yes, they will demonstrate that those things are not true. Mm-hmm. But you're under no obligation to do that if you've done your due diligence and you can make a positive case for this particular suspect. Amen. Folks, this is the type of information you get from the, both the quick shots and the rapid response. We encourage you, go to the website, www.coldcakechristianity.com, and you'll check it out for yourself. Now, coming up after the break, we want to continue our discussion with the one and only Jay Warner Wallace of Cold Case Christianity. And we're going to shift gears a bit and get into what it means to be a Christian casemaker and what the qualities and characteristics are for those with that title. So y'all come back now, you hear? You hear how our esteemed guest addresses this aspect of living life as a believer. We'll get into it after we come back from the break, y'all. Presenting our all new audio devotionals entitled A Few Minutes of Faith, biblically based devotionals geared towards strengthening the daily walk of the believer. A Few Minutes of Faith provides you with a devotional from the Word of God steeped in solid biblical doctrine, all in usually less than five minutes. Think of it as your audio Bible study on the go to help you stay connected to the vine of Christ as you go about your everyday life. Check out A Few Minutes of Faith, available only on PodPoint and on Apple Podcasts. Go to www.podpoint.com backslash Benevolent Faith Ministries and listen now. That's a few minutes of faith at podpoint.com. That's P-O-D-P-O-I-N-T.com backslash Benevolent hyphen Faith hyphen Ministries. Join us. (laughs) 
Hey, hey, what's good? It's your man's Pastor Rob inviting you to join us live for our weekly online church services every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you got to do is go to www.benevolentfaithministries.online.church. It'll take you directly to the live worship session. If you get there a bit early before service starts, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through our chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts and others during and throughout the service, as well as take notes, download the sermon notes, and request prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Benevolent Faith Ministries, a virtual church with a real heart for God. Hey, hey, welcome back to Deeper in the Word, deeper and deeper. Listen, as a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts, in the iTunes Store, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, and on BMC Radio, and BMC Radio On Demand. Shout out to all of our platform providers. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org. Send us your questions and comments for the show. Join us every Tuesday night for our online church services, benevolentfaithministries.online.church. Log on, create a screen nickname, and you can chat along with us during the service. And check out BFTV and BMC Music TV both of which are our TV channels. One features movies and Christian programming and documentaries, and the other features nothing but Christian music and uh, videos and interviews with artists all day long, 24-7 for both channels. Check them out by going to www.bmcradio.org.uk backslash BFTV. Amen? But today, friends, today's show is a great one, and it's entitled Self-Defense Tactics. And we're discussing what it means to defend what you believe in with our special guest and beloved friend of the show, Mr. J. Warner Wallace of Cold Case Christianity. And in our previous segment, good sir, you explained to us what apologetics are and the fact that we shouldn't use that word anymore. We should use a different one. And we're going to get into that. And we even went over a few of the self-defense tactics that we can use when it comes to defending our faith, which you can find on their website, www.coldcasechristianity.com. And as we hit on that in our last segment, your organization has actually come up with a name for such defenders of the faith, and that's a Christian case maker. And I know that's something that you're very passionate about, and most of your work is done promoting that ideology. And I know that it's based in part on believers incorporating some of the techniques and methodologies that you learned in your years as a cold case detective for the LAPD. So please explain precisely what a Christian case maker is, why it's so important that we embrace that ideology, and what are the qualities and characters that make up an effective Christian case maker? Well, okay, that's a great question. I think that what it comes down to is that we have to be in a position, it's all based on 1 Peter 3.15, right? We're just talking about uh, being able to give a reason for the hope we have in Jesus. Mm-hmm. With compassion, with gentleness, with mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. I get that. And that can be sometimes overlooked, right? Like, we don't want to get too hostile. We're in a social media world where it seems like it's pretty easy for us to lose our temper. But the idea here is that we are, just when someone asks you, why do you think this is true? Why is it true? 
we have to be in a position where we can actually answer that question. And that's all we're doing here is we're studying the evidence for Christianity. Now, you would think, well, yeah, um, isn't that something that you had to study in order to become a Christian? And I kind of thought that. I thought, doesn't everyone look at the evidence? Now, what I've discovered, of course, is that no, that's not true. A lot of folks, uh, they might consider evidence, and I give them uh, credit for that. A lot of people would say, well, yeah, I, I had this experience. And this experience demonstrated that Christianity is true. And I do think that your personal, direct experience of God in your life does count as evidence. But we need to test it, and we need to be able to offer people why we think that this experience we had did in fact come from God. Because I have an entire family of half-brothers and sisters who are they were raised LDS. They were raised um, Mormon. Mm-hmm. Now, that is something that is, they would say, that, by the way, that they've had an experience, which they accredit to the Holy Spirit, to God. Right. They think, confirm for them, that Mormonism is true. Well, the question is, okay, so does that make Mormonism true because they've had an experience? Or, or should they have tested that experience in some way to see if what they experienced was actually true? Mm. And that's what we must do. We must be able to say, okay, look, I've had this experience. I've, certain things have happened in my life, and I'm trying to decide were those coincidences, were those things that happened uh, that really demonstrate something's up, something is different about the world than I thought. Okay, well, that's a, that's a good question, and it's a question that we ought to be asking. And that's the thing we do with uh, our book, is we talk about, okay, look, there's good evidence to believe that this historical event known as the resurrection actually occurred. And if it did, then this is something that we could look at as a piece of evidence and ask, you know, well, what does that mean? And so when we make a case for Christianity, what we are simply doing is looking at all the evidence of history, and that evidence could be in a lot of different categories, and asking the question, now, by the way, this is not an anti-biblical approach to faith, mm-hmm. because the, the, the Christian faith was always evidential. From the, this is why Jesus would say things like, hey, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles I've worked in front of you. Yeah. Well, that's an evidentialist. That's somebody who's saying, yeah, you know, if you don't take my word for it, this is why when, when John the Baptist starts to question, and he's in custody, and he sends his, his disciples to Jesus, Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, well, you should know better. He's my cousin who right. baptized me. He, he, of all people, should know. Yeah. Instead, he does miracles for John's disciples, mm-hmm. and he tells them to go back and tell John what they just saw. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's an evidentialist. That's somebody who understands the need that people are going to have to know if this is more than just my wishful thinking. Absolutely. That this is actually evidentially true. That thing- I can trust that what I believe is grounded in reality. And that's what we have to be able to help young people with, because I think the, the problem is we're in a world right now where a lot of young people think the truth is really just determined by what we, what we believe and what we feel personally. Yeah. It's, they've lost the sense of something being objectively true, and we need to kind of restore this, this notion about truth uh, to its rightful place, especially when it comes to Christian belief. And you recently wrote on the website about social media noise. Talk a bit about um, how social media plays a part in the skepticism, in all the things that are going on in the, particularly for young modern believers, because they have access to all this information that we did not have. You know, we didn't have Google. We didn't have all these things. We had to rely on the newspaper and the phone line. They have, yeah. like, com- they have many computers in their hand. So when you're a young Christian casemaker, 
And you have all this information at your fingertips and social media and that noise, the Twitter noise in your ear. How do you navigate that? Well, I think you're right. And what the biggest, we have so many, so many uh, options and we have complete control of our options. You know, it used to be that if there was a show on TV that you wanted to watch, well, if you knew it was on next Wednesday, you better be in front of that TV on Wednesday because it was only going to air once. Maybe if the show gets picked up and reruns, it might air in 26 weeks as a rerun. And if the, if the series doesn't get picked up, it might never be on TV again. (laughs) So you, you had to be in place and you only had three options, the three cable, the three network TV uh, stations, mainstream legacy TV. And and that was it. Now you've got hundreds of options. They are all on demand. Mm -hmm. They are all on demand options. Now that changes things very dramatically and and not everybody thinks about it, but it has changed things. What it means is that young people have control and they have autonomy. They can even craft a, an online world that is all their own. It has people who agree with them in it. They listen to news channels that agree with them. Mm -hmm. They basically are an echo chamber on online. And in, in that world of where young people can choose their own version of truth surround themselves with an echo chamber it's in that world that we are proposing that there is a reality about god a reality about the world which is not of your choosing Mm -hmm. Uh, it's something you have to discover you cannot create it yourself well really this is a generation that's been able to create everything themselves this is going to be a harder generation to communicate to and you're not the only voice this is a noisy world right now absolutely, online. Absolutely. You are not the only voice anymore who's communicating something about God. Um, there's lots of voices out there, yeah, and there's yeah. the, there's the I think the challenge for us as Christian believers, especially if we are not savvy. Like, look, there's a lot of folks that, like my my mom's age or my dad's age who maybe don't even realize what communication channels are available. Mm-hmm. We have to be on top of this. This is a very disposable kind of industry. It changes all the time. Yeah. So the challenges are real, and we have to make a decision. Are we in or are we out? Are we going to be That's committed to, to learning all these different um, um, uh, avenues of, of communication or not? And so that's where I think the challenge is is greater today than it was before. Absolutely. It's a very precarious time, my friends. And coming up in our next segment, we're going to learn about the seminal work that Mr. Wallace crafted 10 years ago. He was way ahead of the curve, y'all. That's about to be re-released with all new and updated information and how it still stands up today in terms of equipping believers to fight the good fight against the sensibilities of the world. What am I talking about? Well, come back and find out after we return from the break, y'all. Hey, everybody. CC Eccles here with the One Life Podcast. Join me every Monday at 7 p.m. as we talk about everything that pertains to life. If you need a little encouragement or a little inspiration, then meet me right here every Monday at 7 p.m. You can listen on Google, Apple, Spotify, Breaker, and iHeartRadio. You'll be so happy you tuned in. Ciao, Bella. What's up, y'all? It's your man's Rev Rob. 
and I'm inviting you to join us every week on BMC Radio for our brand new show entitled The Hour of Power. Each week, you'll hear an inspiring word of God from a different preacher. All episodes will, of course, live up to our established standard of providing sound biblical doctrine. Simply go to www.bmcradio.org.uk and check the daily schedule on the homepage to catch the latest episodes of the show. We feature sermons and preachers from all over the globe, each focused on exegeting the Word of God so that you can get a clearer understanding of the Bible and God's will for your life. So join us every week for the Hour of Power show only on BMC Radio. Go to www.bmcradio.org.uk for more information. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Listen, please go download that Wisdom app available in Apple and Android stores everywhere. You know, that's a mobile app that gives you access to expert help when you need it most, whether it's in finance, the areas of finance or uh, business, whatever you need, Wisdom app has it. So check out Benevolent Faith chat platform on the Wisdom app. It's called Speak On It, the Believer's Q&A, where we welcome you to ask questions directly about things related to the Bible and faith in Christ. As we like to say, we'll drop the topic and you come and speak about it. Just download that Wisdom app from Apple and Android stores and search for at Rev Rob and you'll find our platform and become a part of our growing world community in Christ. Where everybody's invited to speak on it. Amen. But today, friends, today's show has been an excellent show entitled Self-Defense Tactics. No, it wasn't actually because of me. It's excellent because of our special guest and what we're discussing with him today. That special guest being Mr. J. Warner Wallace of Cold Case Christianity and what we're discussing being how to defend what we believe in. And in our last segment, good sir, we want to dive into this classic book you penned over 10 years ago entitled Cold Case Christianity. Truly, the, the book that started it all, and which is being reissued with all new updated materials. Talk to us a bit about what's been added to this new updated and expanded version that those who've read the previous version should expect. Well, and I was hesitant to, to do a new version because I kind of felt like, look, if it's if it's working, why, why mess with it? Why change it? But right. the reality of it is that, that when I wrote the first book, uh, my publisher wasn't quite sure what to make of me. Right? I, I was gonna, I wanted to illustrate the book myself, and I was prepared to do that. Really? But I, well, yeah, I just thought, well, my background's in the arts, so I have a bachelor's degree in fine art and a master's degree in architecture before I became a, a police officer. So I, I knew from working with young people and from working with juries that um, to make this thing visual, it will make it much more persuasive. And that's what, so all, all the stuff I was doing in front of juries, I just transferred into my case making as a Christian. And when I first did the book, I, I really wanted to illustrate, my view is that every page of a book could have a graphic element of some sort. Uh, if there's not a list, I think that, because a list will take up different, you know, the way that you put the list on the page, it, mm -hmm. it creates a shorter page. So if there wasn't a list, I wanted there to be a graphic element. And that first version, you know, when I brought the book, uh, my publishers were like, well, I don't know. Well, now the book is exactly as I first intended it. So we added 300 illustrations to this book. 
because it, now it's a visual book. It's the yeah. same kind of case I would make it on the stage. Also, you learn something over 10 years of making the case on the stage. Yeah. And I try to include all of that, but more persuasive arguments, more persuasive illustrations. And also, there's things that some things have changed in terms of the, the there's a whole body of archaeological research. That yes. Is, I wanted to update that. The book was evergreen to begin with, but I think it's much more persuasive now. And, and I think this is a book. There isn't a single page in that book, the original book, that I have not made an alteration to. Mm. Because I really felt that we could do a better job of persuading and being persuasive. Um, and that's what this book, I think, is now looks like. And also, I do it kind of as a legacy that I wanted to be able to offer people something for free that would be helpful. So what we did yeah. with this book is we said, look, anyone who buys the new book, we first of all, we created a 410-slide PowerPoint presentation, which will help you to teach the material to other people. I've never offered that kind of PowerPoint presentation on anything. Uh, two, we uh, created a 30-session video curriculum that will teach you everything from truth to God's existence to the reliability of Scripture all the way through the, the book I wrote called Person of Interest. That's over 10 hours of video content. And that course has a complete PDF file set that goes with it. You can even earn a certificate. That course we're making available for free for people who purchase and review the book. And the idea here is that, look, in the end, um, I think that, that, that video curriculum is worth the price of admission. I actually think that, well, that's the same course I, I teach at Gateway Seminary. Mm -hmm. I just made it off and made it available here. And the idea is that, look, uh, we need to be better at this. We we could do this better. We Absolutely. we could be more persuasive in the culture. We could be more persuasive even at raising our own kids. Yeah. But a lot of it is not going to be. It's, we have to be committed to it. And then what's the resource? Like what what is the resource that's out there? Most of these resources are like master's programs that nobody can afford or has time for. Well, I'm thinking, what can you do in ten hours that could change the way you see? the case for Christianity and change the way you communicate it with others. That's what we're trying to do with that video course. Yeah. And that's available. You can go to coldcasechristianitybook.com and you can see how to access all that. But the idea here is to be able to offer something for free that, that will actually help prepare people as case makers. Amen. Now you did all the artwork in person of interest, all those drawings, you did all those? Yes, I did those. Uh, that's why sometimes a book like this takes, you know, months to write, but then I usually spend about three months just illustrating it. And, and again, the idea would be, I don't want you to open a single page of these books. Just randomly open a page. You should find there are graphic elements on that page. And I think a lot of that is because we just become visual people. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're young or old. The, the phone you're holding in your hand is forcing you into a new form of visual communication, whether you like it or not. Because phones are driven by visual data. So we're becoming more visual, whether we think it's a, a, a plus or a minus. It's just the way we are. Yeah, and so the question then becomes, well, books need, I think, to turn that corner as well. Our books need to become as um, visual as um, anything else we're doing. Otherwise, you know, let's face it, how much more do people uh, engage in video content now than ever before? Yeah, It's because it's, it's visual. And yeah. people want to, to, to be able to satisfy that. But by the way, a lot of these illustrations make the case really clear, really fast. They do, they do. So 
that's why illustrations are helpful. Personal interest is very good, and I recommend it to everybody out there. We're running out of time here, but we encourage everybody to go to Code Case Christianity's website and become part of the Casemaker group. I'm actually a part of it. We meet every month. Jim, did you want to comment on that just quickly? Yeah, I think this is really one of the more satisfying things. You know, we've got a company we work with that is just, they, they collect enough uh, money for the community that they, that pays for their technology. We I, I don't get a single penny off that uh, community. That community is there to give you a place that is uncancelable, private, in which you are surrounded by other people who are like-minded, who want to talk about the case for Christianity, want to interact with each other, want to ask questions. And we meet once a month on Zoom. We've got one coming up next week. And uh, that is really so we can, you know, spend time together um, asking and answering those questions. Amen. And we encourage you all out there to be a part of it. Go to coldcasechristianity.com and you'll find out more information about how you can join and become a case maker. Listen, we'd be here all day, but I don't want to be selfish. And this man is very busy. Mr. Wallace, thank you so much for all your time today. Of course, you already know you can come back whenever you like. Well, and you know, you and I are connected to the same mission. And so I'm so glad to be partnered with you in this mission. Absolutely. And we want to thank you out there for listening to us and for tuning in for another week. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts, in the iTunes Store, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, and on BMC Radio and BMC Radio On Demand. Also, don't forget, you can find us on the web at benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on now and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without the need for any building. And don't forget to tune in to both BMC Radio and BFTV and BMC Music Television. You can find BMC Radio at www.bmcradio.org.uk and you can find BFTV and BMC Music Television at that same address slash BFTV. Amen. And don't forget, tune in this and every Tuesday night, y'all. Join us for our church line, our online church services at benevolentfaithministries.online.church. We hope to see y'all there. Told y'all it was going to be a great show. We back. We'll catch y'all next time. Holla.